now can i request uh, pratiksha vashisht to come forward uh, she is a research associate at vision india foundation and uh, she'll be also making her presentation absolutely uplifting and therefore extremely hard for me to follow <laughs> uh, namaste everybody i am pratiksha vashisht i am a research associate at vision india foundation uh, what i'd be talking about would be slightly drier now that <laughs> ma'am has made her presentation but i'm going to talk a little bit about outward in the conception of griha in the hindu worldview and the undoing of the public private dichotomy in india so the outline of my presentation is something like this i'm going to start with talking about what the public private dichotomy is uh, within feminism and follow that up by what is gender studies as a discipline in the indian context uh, as well as talking about how the spatial creation of the outside and inside in the public private dichotomy sense of it happens during colonial india and finally how do we understand griha in the indian worldview which absolutely frays this distinction of the public private um, as it exists and finally how can it help us to do theory better from a more indian standpoint in academics so the public private dichotomy is basically something that upholds the liberal normative universe all liberal political philosophy starts with this distinction between the public realm and the private realm the private in that sense is the household um, and the public is the realm of politics but it is it is so essential within the western philosophical framework that it also gets essentialized through two genders so the outside is the male the masculine where politics occurs where rights happen where activity takes place where work economic production happens vis-a-vis -vis the home or the inside which is feminized which is looked down upon there is a sense of hierarchy there are women there is passivity within uh, the private realm right and this distinction starts with john locke who's a political philosopher but by and large is followed through the first wave of feminism in uh, in the west which takes this binary as it is and although the suffragist suffragists talk about women's emancipation and uh, women getting the right to vote it is not until the second wave that carol pateman breaks this by critiquing the public private as a distinction the why this distinction is extremely fundamental to uh, feminist theory as well is because the public private sort of uh, gives us a sense of how do we see the world our place in it and how do we understand it so are women to see the world and understand it through inside their homes alone is that what the idea is and are men the only people who go outside and do things in the world that is the problematic we slightly uh, which i wish to unpack in this presentation but the problem for us when we do gender studies in india is also because this is not just a normative framework it's not just a theoretical assumption which we can throw out because it is also become it also became extremely central as a methodological tool to do gender studies and this is how gender studies in india is also a part and part and package of sociology or anthropology as it is done because you use certain categories to do social analysis of which gender is one right so you gender race caste class are all categories through which you understand social relations and where people are placed in them so they frame the understanding of the study of the social in india but also let's remember this happens uh, it's not like people from india start to do this right we were colonial subjects and therefore anthropology came to us first we did not speak of ourselves but we were the other or the native who was spoken about who was studied correct 
and uh, therefore the problem of the public private being the foundational assumption for studying ideas across the world is that the western categorical or uh, theoretical assumption that holds true for the west where it really comes from gets universalized across the world it's a theoretical input that you know it's not like people or women's experience in india was really along the division of the public private but we got studied that way and now within academia uh, largely social sciences we still hold that assumption as a base both liberal and marxist feminist theories are rooted in this 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 distinction even though they try to critique it and get away from it by talking about space mobility so on and so forth but they really not are not able to get away from it and why not this is the reason because the public private divide or distinction affects our conception of work it affects our conception of space of mobility of womanhood of intimacy of care of femininity owing to implicit hierarchization between these two so work gets relegated to outside and therefore is higher than say care or femininity or staying inside right so this implicit hierarchization and essentialism of certain things becoming male and certain things becoming female are deeply rooted in this dichotomy and this is how it continues to affect gender studies in india uh, as a discipline uh, but let's remember this is not how the indian experience or has ever really been women's experience in india has been work in the indian sense of it is not really outside and personal life is not necessarily inside either because there are bonds of family of kinship of caste uh, or sorry of caste and of let me use varna that's much better or uh, village or different bonds of community which extend not through this one singular boundary but are different spheres in which we operate there are different axes of social life in india for example families produced handicrafts for the longest time it was not the man in the family producing it or the woman in the family producing it everyone in the family is involved in that production process um women talk about intimate life in the village sitting outside and this is still something that you go to any village in rajasthan you'll still find it they they're laughing talking loudly all of those things are exceedingly common to see the death of the traditional economy happens during colonialism uh, and i'm referring to some work here done specifically in the region of bengal uh, that's where the first wave of industrialization and industry work really hits india um the death of the traditional economy during colonialism effects and the effects of deindustrialization or the systematic killing off of handicrafts and you know um, things that were produced by hand in this country affect women a lot more than they affect men uh this production which was centered within the household when this deindustrialization takes place it pushes women outside to go and do agrarian work which is not what the majority of the work that women did essentially was that they were not agrarian farmers really but after deindustrialization they had no other option but eventually the work the outside as a realm during colonialism became so hostile that women couldn't even do that so you actually see that by the end of the 1890s in india women doing any kind of work really falls by 80 to 90% in bengal alone so their contribution as such falls work that and work here we you know a lot of times we use it in purely the economic sense but there is also work that cannot be captured economically but is essentially social based on caste based exchanges certain roles that or things that you were supposed to do as being a part of an embedded social system not an economic system of exchange or creating economic value right so 
another thing that we need to keep in mind is that work in itself is an extremely problematic category and cannot necessarily emancipate, although certain ideologies would tend to believe that. Uh, and this makes me turn to the Hindu conception of the home as a private sphere. But that is really, is it really the inside in the sense that we understand it? What is the griha? So the social life in India can essentially be seen as tilted inward instead of focusing too much on the outward as such. Um, there are songs that are written in Bengali um, during this time of modern industrialization taking place, especially in Bengal, where women are saying that, you know, it's not the industries, not the ships who are our enemy. It is the work, the nokri that is our enemy because it take, it's taking away the men of our families outside into some other world. And that is where the problematic is. So the work is our enemy is this understanding. There are songs of women in Bengal as men migrate and leave the village and go to urban city. Economic work was not the central axis for life in India. In fact, in the Hindu worldview, it is the home around which life is centered. And I will uh, try talking about why that happens. It's because the, it is the griha or the and the grihasta as a couple together that form the cornerstone of the social architecture. This is not a contract of marriage between two individuals, but and does not come from any political individualist sense at all. It comes from a more grounded societal vision of it. The coming together of the dampati, which if uh, we look at the word carefully, is a dual compound in Sanskrit. It's not a singular, it's not a plural, it is two. It is dvivachana. It's a dual compound, and the purpose for the dampati to come together is the pursuit of dharma, artha, and kama. All, of, all three of which are not possible for either the man alone or the woman alone. It cannot take place. The griha or the vision of the household and the status of the grihastha in the varnashrama is the highest. Of all the four varnashramas that a person is supposed to go through, it is the griha which is most essential because it is only from the griha that the other three are sustained. Because it is only in the griha that production of various kinds take place. Uh, dharma karya becomes possible, which uplifts and upholds the rest of the varnas and the rest of society. So um, the dampati then are collectively a single unit. They are not a man and a woman, but they are the dampati. Um, all production and sustenance of others happens only through the grihastha. So in the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, it is said that men and women are two peas of the pod. And when they come down into the world, it's like you are one half and you only become a full unit once you two join together. So um, it is also because Panch Mahayagnas, which are extremely central to the Hindu vision of life, become only possible in the Grihastashrama by the Dampati. Um, home is also the site of production, as I already mentioned. There is familial work, not individuated work as such. And therefore, for women, you have the mobility of a woman not in just inside the house or outside the house in a strict boundary uh, difference, but along different axes of kinship, community, village, that undoes this distinction of public and private very, very powerfully. Spaces, there are some spaces which can only be accessed by women, or there are some yatras which only women can take and men are not supposed to be part of them. Some sacred groves, men are not allowed to end up, but women are. And similarly, if the space the space bit of it is also true for gender minorities where neither men nor women are um, allowed to enter. It is also said in the Manusmriti that the management of finances, so very important 
uh, critique which is thrown a lot of times is that you know women had no control over finances but that is essentially not true because the manusmriti says that the management of finances ought to be done together and ma a man cannot do it alone by himself um ultimately a very very important point is that moksha which is the central and the most is the highest pursuit of an individual is absolutely impossible without grihastha and what it enables us to do because it's an impossibility of moksha without the other three being fulfilled and therefore the dampati together become extremely central to the vision of the hindu life doing theory bringing the social back in social categories when we do any kind of theory building from india we face a lot of challenges which um which are discursive which are theoretical which have to do with how we what are the ways or categories through which we understand our own societies as well as our own lives and um bringing the social back in for me to understand not something through its political categories but through lived experience of people becomes very central to doing ground up theoretical work so so can we use social categories to that reflect social realities of india better where do we accrue causality for example there was a very interesting study that came came out a couple of years ago that uh, wherever there whenever there is prosperity times of prosperity or upward mobility economically in gujarat it women's labor participation falls now you could say that um, people are extremely conservative in this country and therefore they you know pull their women back in and don't want them purely to work but where do you accrue causality and what is your interpretative frame to understand why do they not want women to work what is work really associated with if you do have prosperity you would ask your woman not to work because for a very different reason and that reason is the interpretative frame that we use to understand social reality around us because social facts can be understood in multiple ways and we have to figure out what we use while we you know do theoretical work why does the pub the public private essentially is a dwandva it's a binary and uh, it is a violence which i think is imposed on the lived realities of women in india as well as men i think there was a slide which i don't know what missed here um but i'll just quickly mention this it is uh, only during colonialism that the public private actually gets imposed in a very real sense and that happens because imagine with under colonial rule you have police which is not your own you have new forms of laws which are not your own you have new kinds of spaces being created which are not really based on the indian uh, conception of anything in fact right they are all imposed so you have absolutely horrific accounts and sara mills is somebody who's uh, written extensively about this in her book uh, she writes about the fact that colonial space basically creates this dangerous outside because sometimes women would go and a lot of times these women were not very well to do um, there was of course extreme poverty in india at that time but uh, not so well to do women would go out and they would lose their way for example and then some some uh, say colonial officer or police would catch them and you cannot imagine the kind of consequences they would have to go through they would be raped multiple times over to death and so basically the outside under colonialism became an extremely dangerous space for people and it is through that imposition that women are recalled back into the homes they have to create this boundary now suddenly where they do not step out because stepping out has extremely uh, heinous consequences for them um yeah so coming back uh this kind of theory building also disables social life 
powerfully through the process of individuation. All kinds of social categories and the foundational assumptions that certain theories have, have certain values which they privilege, right? The public-private dichotomy will always privilege an individual over a collective because that's the kind of theoretical model it essentially comes from. Um, but within, within India, this kind of understanding has delegitimized both women's lives and their choices. Because uh, in today's scenario, you cannot imagine making certain choices and not being frowned upon. It, it's now become very intrinsically linked to the women empowerment discourse, for example. So you cannot choose to be in the home because it, it, the assumption is that you're a disempowered woman or you do not have the right to do certain things, right? And the minute I say that, I do not really respect your choice of wanting to you know, navigate your life the way you want to. Um, through the example of the griha, um, as a reading it as um, within theoretically as an, I wouldn't say category because that's also problematic, but understanding griha as a concept will allow us to move past and try to, in some sense, uh, absolutely think of Indian, uh, Indian conceptions of what the place of the woman in a society is, what is the idea of a home, what is the idea of social life, and what kind of um, you know society ka vision jo ek tha, which has gotten lost through a lot of our interpretative frameworks can be brought back. So the possibility of doing Indian theory in the social science through non-Western categories and value frames is an exceedingly important uh, exercise. And uh, that is what I wanted to sort of throw light upon through this presentation. Thank you.